0: Hello everybody and happy summertime. This is episode 23 of Mad About Hoops. It's good to converse with all of you college hoops lovers out there and my friend Evil Bald Colin. It's good to talk to you again, man. How are we doing?
1: Tim, it's really good to be back with you too. I'm doing pretty well, but as the months continue to go on and we just don't know a lot of what's coming down the line in the next couple of months, I get a little bit anxious of thinking about what the world of college basketball is going to look like. And we're going to actually talk a little bit about what two different scenarios would look like for that season coming up, but I'm just anxious to talk about it.
0: I am too. We've really not been hearing a whole awful lot. We know that campuses have been opened up for the athletes to return. And we, it's been kind of quiet on the basketball front. A lot of eyes are focused on college football Because as we're dropping this podcast here on July 8th, those are the dates that are staring us, you know, that are coming up right down the pipe is trying to get that six week practice buildup for what everyone's talking about with football and hoops is being put on the back burner. But that's. Why we are here to talk about that angle and Gavitt has had some comments about that. There's a major coach that has had some ideas about that. Like you said, that's one of the big things we'll get into in this pod today. We're going to talk about some classic college basketball venues. Your thing is mid-major programs. We all all love mid-major programs around here and you know me. I love a basketball cathedral. I love an old barn. We're going to talk about some of the greater defunct basketball arenas that we would all love to get a chance to go to and watch a game again and also there's a head coach in the Big Ten that finds himself in a little bit of hot water but we're going to start right after the open here about some live basketball that is going on in July and maybe that just gives us hope that we can have this sport once again when we're supposed to have it so thanks for being here I hope you enjoy our episode today of Mad About Hoops. Mm to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Makes it oh! Inbounds. Turner, left side of the backcourt, Turner, across the timeline. Throws it from high on the right. He, he makes it. He hit it. in Turner. It. He hit it just inside of half court. Lanes on the other wing. Finds. Oh, oh. 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 Sent it in, Jerome. oh, March Madness. Yeah, we want to have March Madness. We certainly hope that March of 2020 is going to be the only month for the rest of our lives where we didn't get the college basketball that we love. Evil, I I can't say that we're there yet with watching the world and watching what COVID-19 is still doing and the numbers out there. I, I am enjoying some of the campaigns that are out there stressing people to wear their masks whenever applicable. I think the more we do that, I mean, we could sit here and bicker about the science and the data of how a mask does help or it doesn't help. I I think I saw our, our very own Joshua Perry say this. "It's It's not going to hurt. That I think we know is wearing a mask will not hurt at all. It could only possibly help. So, I'm going to choose to wear that when I'm in large crowds or if I need to stray out into the world. So hopefully we can get all of our sports back. And for us, most importantly, our college basketball back.
1: No, yeah, Tim, I completely agree with you. We need to do something at least to help subside the effects that we're seeing of COVID-19. And if we want to see any type of extent, I mean, at least fans in the stands, put that to the side, if at least any type of games being played, we need to make some effect on how this is affecting us. So, Tim, I completely agree with you. We need to make steps going forward because at this point, we don't even know what it's going to look like for like average training and practices getting ready for the season, let alone when the season is actually going to start. Because like you said in the, the open, we have two different scenarios of what they could do or they could stay pat. But I will say as of this date, July 8th, there was some good news, but it's like it's not news. Is that the fact that our guy, John Rothstein, tweeted out saying that the Maui, as of right now, is going forward like they are going to operate at full capacity with what they plan to do? Now, that obviously could change, but at this point, any type of good news I want to pass along.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, hopefully that's the same for Battle for Atlantis, which is something that Ohio State's going to be playing in. And that's got a nice beefed-up field, just like the Maui does. Maui, Battle for Atlantis. We've talked on the pods before. When we get knee-deep into our holiday tournaments, we we go gaga over those. They, They are fantastic. And you talk about bucket list items to just take the family, to get off of work, and go and spend a Thanksgiving either in Atlantis or in Hawaii and watch all the basketball you better be doing well with the cash. Let's just put that right out there because those those are not cheap tickets when you talk about the prestige of the schools that play there and the tiny gyms. But you're right. Any hope like that is something that we will take right now. And, and I think you should still try to get ready, be ready to operate as normal until you reach these dates where – The research, everything that we know about COVID-19, if it still isn't good when we get to those times, well, then you've got to go to your plan B or your plan C or your plan D. This is all really frustrating and annoying, I'm sure, for administrators to have to think about and have to make all these different plans, but that's where we are right now. But CB, I will say, as we are recording, watching a team of Big Ten players and watching a team of Dayton players, Red Scare is the name, that's a fantastic name, and Team Big X, in Columbus, Ohio, which is where we are, we've got the basketball tournament, and I gotta say, as far as the new normal goes, the court looks pretty cool, there's no fans in attendance, but they got all the banners close in on the backdrop there, it looks like something out of a medieval times, if you ever had dinner there down in Orlando, Florida, where the it's like the the knights on the horses, they come out there and you pick a, a knight to cheer for and their banners and their crests are all hanging around. It's It looks kind of cool to me. It's you know real it, basketball. You know what it
1: actually looks like? And I have to turn around to actually see it off the uh, TV that's in our studio behind me where I'm present. But actually, it kind of looks like Ohio, and especially with their high school system with basketball, they have at times played their tournament games or like regionals or districts or whatever at the... Uh, Convention center here in Columbus. And it's kind of what it looks like, too. They put up these tarps and whatnot, or these, uh, Drapes, banners, Banners. yeah, big drapes is a good
0: word. Yeah, they're huge. They're like, yeah, they're like ten feet wide by you know thirty or forty feet long. Like hang, it's almost like they lowered banners that would hang from the rafters in an arena and just brought them down to court. Right, but you could have you
1: could have fooled me and told me this was in like a convention center, not Nationwide Arena, and I would have fully believed you. But yeah, it just it does look weird. It's getting taking some time to get used to, but hey, any basketball I'm gonna take right now.
0: You know, you could say that it's overkill to even be in a nationwide arena, which is a place that seats almost 19,000 fans, maybe closer to 20. But it's also an arena that's got nothing to do right now. So if you could put something in there, I guess they would take it.
1: I think it also has multiple, like, locker rooms and whatnot, too. So that also helps out with that. So, I mean, any way you can space out these teams, and especially when you have game times stacked on top of each other, you have to space these teams out and whatnot, I I think – that is probably why we're having it in this situation.
0: I think I said also on a previous podcast that if we're doing these quarantined games, if we can't have fans anyway, it would have been neat to see these guys playing in basically a middle school gym or even a local YMCA or just a local field house that say maybe one of your your you know parks and rec departments in one of your local cities Opens, you know, because you don't need any, you don't need any space. It would be cool to see the brick wall, like ten feet outside of the boundaries of the basketball court. I think Adam Silver has said something about, you know, the bubble that they're going to play in in Orlando. Maybe not so much the arena that it's going to be going on in. I haven't even seen what arena. I'm sure that's already out, by the way. But the angles that they're going to be showing you the game from are going to be a lot different, and that that alone can be something that. A lot of basketball fans will bicker about I know you and I, yeah. I think it was an Ohio State-Michigan game, remember that? Where mm-hmm. it was simply the press row view, and we're like, okay, you can feed us some of that for a possession or two, but please, God, no, not an entire game. We need some of that you know, classic sideline view for the bulk of our game.
1: Yeah, I think what you're referring to is, I also remember from maybe like, NBA all-star games of, like, the mid-2000s and whatnot, but it's, like, that lower line, like, they take the camera and carry it with you on, like, court level. And like, like, like an all-star <laughs> yeah. game, I enjoy that. But, yeah, when it's a serious game, that was a really really important and really intense game that you're referring to there. Yeah, I didn't enjoy that very much. But, um, yeah, I don't need all that. But I, I saw a photo of kind of a layout. It also looked like a convention center down there for what the NBA is doing. Yeah, it says three arenas. Yeah, three
0: arenas I, they're planning on.
1: I think it might have been just like where they're practicing and whatnot, but they've like stacked like they're
0: going to Disney. Over so that's court. where it is. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But it's yeah, maybe it's, the it's Swan a... and Dolphin. <laughs> exactly. You got that's lots of
0: convention space. I went to a baseball winter meetings at the Swan and Dolphin. And that that uh, job fair or you probably heard of the trade show, it is like the biggest, most massive thing you've ever seen in your life. The square footage that they need for that baseball trade show is wild so yeah it's it's funny you mentioned the convention center because the convention center here in Columbus Ohio was a major part of the basketball tournament we were seeing all over social media before they got the real event going at Nationwide Arena which is where the Columbus Blue Jackets play if you don't know and like Evil Ball Column was saying lots of locker room space they played NCAA tournament games at Nationwide so it's really really good and has a good configuration for basketball as well but the convention center was their hub where they were throwing courts down in all the various ballrooms and galleries throughout that space there it is it's a phenomenal convention center if you've never been to Columbus it is many 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 square blocks And it's like you said, that could have possibly worked as well because they didn't even look clunky when they were laid out in the convention center. They looked like there was plenty of room to, you know, shoot a high three-point shot. There was no low-hanging ceilings or anything like that. It looked
1: good. No, yeah. Like I said, they've had high school tournament games in there. So, yeah, yeah, I don't see why they couldn't have done it. But you know what? I am okay, and I'm not going to complain about them playing in Nationwide because it's at least giving us good camera angles.
0: No, I'm not complaining at all. I don't care care where they play these. And, and again— It's just something that I think would be cute to see like in smaller, tighter places where you normally wouldn't see a game broadcast on television. Just something that gets you thinking a little bit differently. Like, oh, this is cool. They are playing in a, clearly this is not any famous arena. They are at a park or a city gym, something like that, which is something you would never, ever see players of this magnitude. Almost like we talked about how cool would it be if college hoops or even the NBA for a cool one-off or even a series something that becomes an annual thing instead of trying to do aircraft carrier games or games in, a, in an airplane hangar Where they fail like to, 50% of the right, time right and when you try to put like a wooden floor in an outdoor environment with moisture in the air and you're gonna have Thad Mata and Buzz <laughs> Williams on their hands and knees wiping the court up and you're like guys guys this is futile it's just gonna be more moisture and they cancel the game have one at Rucker Park something amazing like that that mm-hmm. where it's a outdoor gym it's an outdoor basketball court designed to be played outdoors that's what it is you have the black top or whatever kind of surface they put in there now we can even have chain nets I think that would be amazing that's one of the coolest sounds in sports that you hardly ever get to hear is a ball going through a chain net but I got to tell you watching former college basketball players get together band together and play on these teams. You had a Purdue Syracuse game basically with the men of Mackey and Bayheim's Army. Divendorf was out there for Cuse. Yes, you had uh, Evan Boudreaux, the bald dude, <laughs> and Big Isaac Haas for Purdue. Yeah, I mean, and you'll have an Ohio State Illinois game here uh, today on July eighth. It's basically college basketball reincarnate going on right now.
1: Well, you're getting a lot of it in terms of Ohio State features too, because you also mentioned the two players on Big X. You got Andrew Dockich, and then you have. Uh, C.J. Jackson, and then you have this Dayton team that actually has Trevor Thompson on it, matter of fact, which is actually really an interesting development. He was looking good. He He was was looking looking good. good. And then I know you – we've talked many times about the Dayton players that are actually on that Red Scare team, Ryan, Mike, Sal, and Trey Landers. Our guy Trey Landers on the podcast. Yeah, so there's a lot of recency, too, in this lineup of players on these teams, too, which is I think is helping the casual basketball fan, casual college basketball fan that maybe have started – really watching more intently these past couple of years so they'll recognize more of these names.
0: All right, uh, Evil. I know you're going to have some thoughts on this, but one of the big news things for the last couple of, uh, or at least in the last couple of days for college basketball fans is this Pat Forty story where he was talking to Dan Gavitt. He told Sports Illustrated that he's been talking to Power five conference commissioners about moving up the college basketball season from November 10th to somewhere in the neighborhood of October 27th. So it doesn't sound that's not a lot of time. That's a week and a half to two weeks. But any time that you get to have, you know, a window of opportunity to take games, because the issue here is is we could be bracing for a longer winter break than usual with classes in at universities across the country right. this season. And so I think they are afraid that you're going to have to cancel a lot of the regular season games, some of them non-conference. Some of them might be conference games that are scheduled. We know how lots of conferences are doing earlier games right now. So they want to explore possibly being ready to start the season a couple weeks early if they can to make up for some of those games that might inevitably inevitably be canceled.
1: So this sounds like a strategy, and I, we already said pre-show that this is there's two different sides of how coaches and people in the industry want to handle this. This side moving the season up. This seems like the the main strategy to keep the non-conference slate for a lot of teams intact where a lot of these schools depend on these big non-conference matches for a for income and b for you know quality opponents that they can put on their resume. Um this is re- this is really interesting cuz I I'm just kind of talking to myself here but if you move it up now how many weeks is that moving it up it almost feels like what it's two two weeks know? it's
0: two weeks. I would almost If you're going to do it... it, Is
1: it enough of a move-up to make a difference? Yeah. Is it enough of a move-up? I just don't know if it really sets a purpose, if that makes sense.
0: If we're going by this concept that's out there that... You know, And it's not just a concept. This is something that scientists could easily prove again and again that viruses thrive when it's the winter. I mean, that's not new to most people out there with when you usually get your flu shot. You start hearing flu shot spots on the radio and on TV in the late, early fall, right? Somewhere right. around October, November. You're going on December. Once you see those snowflakes, you're thinking, oh, shoot. Well, if I haven't gotten my flu shot by now, it's either too late or I should run and go and get one before I wind up catching the flu. So that's something that is out there. And I'm with you. Two weeks, let's maybe go with a full month while we're at it. As long as students are on campus and if college football is doing their thing and sports are going on in the fall, which of course is something that's way up in the air right now. But if we're going to make this ulterior plan, let's push that forward again by another couple of weeks because... There's a chance where from November on into January, Mm -hmm. you might have a month and a half or so, Colin, that you're going to have to try to make up for. So let's not just go small with two weeks. Let's go more than that and start getting ahead of this because there would be a lot of rescheduling to get done in this short amount of time.
1: Yeah, it's not good on the back end. It's also probably not very good on the front end, too, because we're talking about a lot of these schools, and I know the first name that comes to mind that I saw this recently was USC saying we're going... You know, we were originally were planning to go back to in-person, and now we're going back to online. Like, these schools are at least planning for their first semester to not be on campus, so there's probably going to be an initiative by a lot of people. If you don't have students on campus, you shouldn't be playing athletic events anywhere near campus. So I, if you move it up, too, you also come into an issue with that. I think the other idea we'll talk about later has the more likely scenario to happen if there's any movement of the season— But I can see ways that this works. Like you said, though, they would have to move it up more in the timeline for it to be more comfortable for me.
0: Yeah, in Forty's writing here, too, he says what you'll be seeing there is a possible elimination from 8 to 12 games and something that could truncate the season. So Gavitt's own words, he said it's almost a certainty that some basketball games scheduled for that window – we talked about, picture it around Thanksgiving to the start of the second semester in January, is he says almost a certainty that some of those games will be canceled. And if you're going like 40 and bracing for all of them to be canceled, that's a big chunk of your season. And Evil, you could speak to what Rick Pitino tweeted out Mm -hmm. and how he's more for the delay factor. What I'm for is playing as many games as we can Doing it safely. That's that's what I'm for, which would leave me more open to try to get this thing started Mm -hmm. in some of the warmer weather months. That way you'd have the elimination of the Supreme cold if you can get it done in early fall and then into the springtime. If we have to have a big gap in the middle of the season because that's safest. I say so be it.
1: Yeah, I'm just kind of thinking on the fly here because I'm thinking of conferences that are kind of in that core of where they have 16 to 18 conference games, which is a lot of them. The Big Ten's the exception. They're at 20. Right. But um, I'm wondering if you can move up. You can kind of do both things like you can move up the season for at least a non-conference. Get those games in now and especially those tournaments like Maui and the uh, Battle for Atlantis. Those are humongous tournaments that bring in a lot of profit for those universities and for those Uh, events get those in early and then when you have that 16 18 or even your 20 game conference schedule put that in the second semester and kind of almost like split it if that makes sense but that kind of appeases both sides of this spectrum if that makes sense
0: yeah i mean what rick patino is talking about is just the delay because when you get to wait hopefully the science and the research catches up and i mean god willing we have a vaccine. And that that's just, it remains up in the air. That's another I, factor.
1: That's another factor that completely changes this thing. And it could honestly do it in the middle of when we're trying to start one of these two plans. Well, in in what way? Like, w- what part of the factor are you well, speaking to? Well, I think, let's say that the, the timeline that what people are thinking is what end of the year, start of the year. So we're thinking late December, early January is what we've been hearing kind of can we trust around, any of those projections though that yeah that's another thing is that you are just kind of on your hands and on the tip of your toes waiting to see what's going to turn out of that because if you do get one that's effective and you have the dosage to get it out to the people the masses right away then it can kind of expedite your process but if you're just kind of waiting on that event to happen it's kind of like leaving you in limbo you know
0: and I, and I think you and i are pretty similar in our views on how we should go about dealing with COVID because I can remember the both of us when this was first starting we were following some of the stories that were trickling out and we were like everybody else saying oh my god this is so overblown this is crazy like oh cancel the NCAA tournament ha I'll believe it when I see it you know I was I was there that's where I was in my mind but then when this all hit and you start looking at how it's affecting real people out there and it it is causing deaths out there, even though it's, it's a little it's safer by the numbers for the younger 18 to 22 year old crowd. But you still have to protect those kids, too, especially when they're college athletes. It's it's becoming a thing for me where we're so far into this. There is a sense of learning to live with this while being as safe as we can, because
1: mm-hmm.
0: you look at the mental aspect and sports are a big part of our society. I mean, I know you and me both, we chose to get into it for our jobs and for our lives. So, and then think about for the young men and women that play the games, It's, it's a major part of their lives too. And we know that they would more likely like to be playing it than not. So I appreciate that everyone is working to try to figure out a way to get back onto the playing surfaces.
1: Uh, so we're, yeah, we're four months removed from when that all originally happened. I, I will say going back to that point when we first reacted to this, it's just because it's so unprecedented of what we're going through. Like the stoppage, we've never had a stoppage in just our sports life like this. I think in anybody, I, nobody's ever really experienced this. So when it first happened, we didn't really think, oh no, this is real. This isn't realistic. Like we've had, uh... Viruses and whatnot in the past that have popped up, and we've kind of dealt with it. Well, this is just an obviously different type, and we're learning on the fly, which is okay. We've made adjustments as we go. Yeah, we didn't know. But yeah, we just did not know at the root of it what we were really dealing with. And now, as we've gone, I agree with it It's a mixture of learning how to deal with it, but also being safe.
0: Yeah, we're seeing how many people are likely carrying this thing without knowing it. We're seeing how. It can be quite deadly for our older community and people who are immunocompromised, and they are all people that matter. That's the thing. It's it's uh, it's not just about you know, maybe the low death rate for our younger athletes. It's if they're carrying it, and then when they get away from competition and in a big mixing bowl of a lot of other people, what does that do for the other members of the community? I think that's what it's all about. But again, I appreciate the work and the efforts, especially by the basketball tournament here, who's... We know that these guys are all out there, you know, not with COVID-19 because they're being tested at such a high level. And that's another thing that we'll have to explore is can all college athletes be tested at the level of which these athletes at this mini tournament in the middle of the summer that's going to be only 10 days long? Can that happen? But that's just for starters here. CB has an amazing topic to explore where we'll have some fun with some head coaches Out there in college basketball. Really quick breather, and then we'll get to that.
1: All right, so one of the biggest internet ideas, I guess you could say, the past time. And especially in the sports world is just coming up with lists. I think everybody loves a good list. (laughs) But especially what What else can we do? Especially a list that can involve so many different people. I mean, you're talking about 300 plus guys every single year that can qualify for this list, but a list of four guys. And I got this from Jeff Goodman over at stadium. It's four coaches, head coaches in division one basketball that you would want to go grab drinks with. And I'm going to tell right, you. It, so, like it, it your bar a, foursome, it's not your
0: golfing foursome. This is your well, pub foursome. It would be a five some, right? Because It would be a, a five Yeah, we're we're picking four, so yeah, it's a five it, which it, you can do on a golf course if you if you know the if you know the head pro. But
1: this is just <laughs> such a hard activity to do because I found myself with at least twelve guys that I considered <laughs> for this list. Yeah,
0: you can't go twelve. So <laughs> four. Let's. Let's start this up. I'm curious to see what your names are. So we're just going to alternate? I, that sounds good to me, okay. man. Let's so go back and forth, I tit think for tat.
1: I, I'm going to steal this one. We talked about this before we came on, but I'm picking the Holt man. I, I just, he's an A-plus guy. He's so chill. He's he's down to talk with us anytime we want, and he's he's very open to talk about almost anything you want. And it's just... I feel like if you get him in that scene, there's a lot more of the game of basketball I think you could get out of them Because me personally, being a Buckeye and also a Butler fan back-to-back, I mean, I've had a ton of time to learn about Chris Holtman as a fan, being as he coached both teams at one point of his career. So I feel like I am at least qualified to ask him. Because I would want to ask more about his Butler time. Because there's just so many good totally. players on that team or his teams that he had. And his freshman class he recruited for his final year there was absolutely unbelievable, so I'd want to know more about that.
0: He is he is just such a cool dude, and we're going to have him on oh, the yes, next podcast. Announce that. Yes. Yeah, we'll have him on the next podcast, and we're going to do sort of a different thing where you'll get to see us for the first time if you want because at our local radio station where we're employees of 97.1 The Fan, we are going to do a... Sort of skype slash zoom slash youtube live show, and we'll do like a little half an hour show. He'll be on us on with us for twenty or twenty five minutes of that, so it'll be great and you're right he I've never come across a big time Division one men's basketball coach or football coach that was more helpful and more available and willing to push his sport well, and try I'll- to grow his team, the sport, the game, whatever. And meet with the media, and down to talk about whatever, whenever you want. You know,
1: I'll actually group Ryan Day into that. We have the best, in my opinion, football head men's basketball coach combination in terms of oh, just yeah. how insane. they how they have their media relations. They're so good at both of them are so good at it.
0: Here's one for me. Leonard Hamilton, I knew you were one of my you, yep. one of my final four picks for earlier <laughs> this year, and boy, were my final four picks looking good? They were really and they good. They were my they were my off the board pick, remember? Because they were not a preseason top twenty five, but that's what I would want to talk to him about. Just how Florida State hoops and Leonard himself, I, I think. They're slighted by the national media just year in, year out, and you're looking at a dude who had a short stint in the NBA, so he's got that part of his life where he was with the Washington Wizards for a cup of coffee, but mainly a college guy. He's in his early 70s now, but I feel like he's a lot younger than that. He is... He's very. He's just so successful. What else can you say? Between Miami, between Florida State, he was at Oklahoma State before that. He'll be. He'll be crossing six hundred wins soon. Can you
1: believe that? He's the most quiet, successful coach I think I could think of. Like, and Lon Kruger maybe, who's a bit more you of a know journeyman. What? That's the same exact person I was going to yeah. name in conjunction with him. They're two <laughs> of the same types. Now I, I Big think uh, Hamilton tends to be a little bit more successful lately, obviously. But no, yeah, those two are two peas in a pod right there. Yeah, I mean
0: he's gone uh, to the Elite Eight and to the Sweet Sixteen, and then they were fixing to do more damage, maybe a Final Four run this year. So uh, who's the who's your other guys? We got three more each.
1: Yeah, so my second one, I'm going to go with Bobby Hurley. Now, if you've ever watched an Arizona State game, you'll probably understand why, because he's oh, the most yeah. energetic captain. Man. Technical foul there. <laughs> he's the most energetic coach, and a lot of my guys on this list tend to be a little bit energetic. But definitely Hurley of the bunch. But because I want to get him into the bar scene, and I want him, and I know Jeff Capel is also another name on the Duke list whenever that coaching job opens up, but I want Hurley to commit to me that he will let me break the news if he gets hired for the job.
0: I'm going to say that I want Bruce Weber of the Power Cats of Kansas (laughs) State in my drinking foursome just because I want to see – what more I can do to this guy that doesn't have a voice to begin with? When I can get him drinking, I don't know, does he become a mute? Is his voice scratchy? Mm-hmm. Does it become deeper? I want to know what's going on there.
1: But you got to ask course, him you got to ask him about his in the moment you lose the final regular game, season game, mm-hmm. or game of the season against Ohio State and Matt Sylvester. You got to ask about that. Of course you've got that.
0: And you've got the guy that, you know, took a team, took Bill Self's Illinois team and went Right to the national championship game in his second year there. So between Illinois and Kansas State, again. Uh, almost a 500-win basketball coach right there.
1: All right. I'm going to go off the board for number three a little bit. But if you're a big fan of the sport, you're going to remember this name right away. But it's Ron Hunter, the former Georgia State head coach. I believe it was 2015 oh, or 2016.
0: Yeah, of course. Where his son, One of my favorite video clips in recent NCAA tournament history where, his where, where son, he puts his hand on his son's shoulder yeah. and he just starts crying. It's yeah. amazing.
1: Great guy. He's very energetic. He took the two-lane job before last season. And he's also an Ohio guy. He is from Dayton and he went to Miami of Ohio.
0: That's a good pick. All right, you ready for this one? Yes. I'm kind of cheating a bit, but you didn't give any any ground rules. He was a college basketball coach, and he was at one of your favorite spots on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Again, guy with Butler experience, Brad Stevens. Just to, just to talk about what a boss he is. Going from Butler to the Boston Celtics, I mean – what would the odds of that have been if you created odds when he was maybe in his second or third year coaching at Butler that that is even a possible move right. that anyone could make? Well, to have that program in the title game, too, in their hometown as a mid-major and then to go back the very next year but
1: to not ever win it?
0: Mm-hmm. There's so many things to get into. Here's the Brad. thing.
1: Is the first time they went wasn't really the one impressive one. They were a pretty high seed, but it was the second year where they were in an eight-seed and uh-huh. somehow, yeah. Matt somehow Howard did it. Matt Howard was their best player, and they made it all the way to the final yeah. game.
0: Hayward was gone. He was, yes. And they had some other good players still on that second team, but of course. Gordon Hayward was the key, and he wasn't there anymore.
1: Okay, so I'm also going to go off the board and uh, cheat a little bit like you did there. I'm going to go with a former coach. He just retired a couple seasons ago, but it's Rick Bird, the former Belmont Bruins. Oh, Bruin, what a class ass. Has over 805 wins. He's the headline of what it is to be a mid-major coach. And as I've always said on this program that I'm a big lover of mid-major basketball. So I just want to get to know why he was able to turn Belmont into such a powerhouse in that region of the country, in that mid-major tier. And what does it take as a coach today to do the same? You're going to like my final one
0: because maybe I'd wind up loving the guy. That's, you just never know until you have a beer with somebody (laughs) Maybe this could be my bar fight, dude, too, because as of now, I would want to most get in a bar fight with. And so if we're drinking and he's in our crew and it's me and it's Leonard and it's Bruce Weber and our whole crew and we're just talking up about stories and Brad Stevens, maybe he's a scrappier fighter than anyone would realize. But Fran McCaffrey. With his curved glasses, just shouting F-bombs about referees and tunnels, heading back to the locker room. So rough around the edges. i just like to get to the root of why. I mean, everything seems so great and made in the shade for Fran McCaffrey. He's a successful, mildly successful, Big Ten basketball coach. Fran McCaffrey, you know what? Come and drink with us. I'll even buy the first couple of rounds before we see how it goes.
1: Well, to be honest, if you were worried about the bar fights, you would have taken Frank Martin there. But I do appreciate the pick. <laughs> He's just crazy. I, I, I do appreciate He's the Fran crazy. pick.
0: Yeah. Uh, Frank Martin, uh, he's allowed to join, too. <laughs> he might be the bartender. I can see Frank Martin with a, uh, a towel over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Him and John Thompson and Tark, just the guys with the bar <laughs> towels ready to go in case there's a spill. <laughs> Fantastic or we, reference. We need some help. <laughs> All right. So we'll do another uh, quick breather. couple things. I'm going to talk some classic college basketball venues. There's a reason why and a Big Ten head coach in some hot water. Again, uh, take a little short breath, and we'll be right back. All right, Evil, I think this next story is it's a really interesting one. It's a serious one. We've all had our eyes open. We've had our ears open throughout the past couple of months in our country, and We've had some of the most rampant protests in our nation's history, and it's been an important enough topic that many people, you could tell, take coronavirus and COVID-19 seriously. They have still had to go out and put their bodies on the line because of uh, social injustices, and it's its just been time, you know? Enough is enough. its It's time, past time, whatever you want to say, and I think it's a good thing, CB, that we're all becoming a little bit more woke to the issues out there and something that Pat Chambers head coach at Penn State said slash did towards Razier Bolton a couple of years ago in the 2018, 2019 season. It was the reason that Razier Bolton wound up transferring to Iowa State. And it was something to do with a noose Colin. And especially with everything that just happened with Bubba Wallace in NASCAR, right on the surface before you read the context about it, that is not something that's going to sit well.
1: Yeah, Tim, it's just it's never a uh, it's not a word that's appropriate to use because of the connotation and the history behind the actual thing in the past. It's not an acceptable thing to do. And unfortunately, there's just people out there that aren't sensitive to the fact of that. They haven't been taught that right or wrong. And it's just, I I think we need to take these opportunities and what these movements are doing is to not only demand change, but also instruct people that haven't been aware or have been sensitive enough to these words or phrases in the past to understand that it's time to phase those out of our ways.
0: And look, man, you're you're a younger guy and we're both considerably younger than Pat Chambers is in this case, but... The way the way that it happened was he was talking to Razier Bolton after a practice when he was a starting freshman point guard, and he said that he wanted to try to relieve the pressure. That's that was the comment. Wanted to you know get the pressure off of you, loosen the noose around your neck. That's that's sort of the context of what was said. I want to loosen the noose. That's around your neck. I want to be a stress reliever for you. You can talk to me about anything. I need to get some of this pressure off you. So hearing that, you can hear that Pat Chambers... You can hear what he meant. ...is met. not coming from a racist angle, exactly. you know? And right, I, right. I, I'm very careful. If I don't know a person and I don't have more, if he would have said the N-word or something like that in any way, shape, or form, you're, I, you're done, right. right? I don't. Th- it, I think we would, all, mm-hmm. we would all agree on that. That's That's clear, cut, and dry, but... I'm I'm appreciative that we can have a discussion about what Pat Chambers said and get him to learn. And, and if we have a string of insensitive sort of tone-deaf comments like this and he doesn't learn and get the picture, then we can talk about dismissal. But until I were to see more, I'm glad that we can talk about this, understand why Razier Bolton was offended and why he left and he had every right to do so and be granted a immediate waiver eligibility to go to Iowa State. You can't. You Say something like that. I mean, you're from the North, right? You understand. The only yep. connotations I have with a noose are suicide and hanging black men or women. That's that's it. Those are the only connotations I really have with a the noose. They're both bad. It's either suicide or mm-hmm. the other thing.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Those are the only two ways I would ever interpret hearing that word used. So that also makes me – and I come from a place where that was always – taught in me that that's not something you should even ever compare in any sense. So maybe just from my perspective, it's something that kind of blows my mind that he would have used that word in any way, shape, or form. But then I also got to understand there's, like I said earlier, there's other people that just haven't been taught the same way. And if he's open to learning and changing and understanding why a player or somebody took this A different way, then I I'm encouraged to hear that. But it's when we start seeing people go back or backtrack or you know dig their heels into the ground, kind of go against it, is where I start to have a problem with it.
0: Yeah. So Bolton had a big long statement on Twitter uh, explaining why he chose to leave Penn State, and you can get him on social media at Razir R A -S S I R underscore nine and read his entire statement. He's it's. It's pretty good. I mean, it's a pretty powerful statement that he put out there saying a noose around my neck is why I left Penn State. Pat Chambers, the day after a one-game suspension in January, in talking to me, referenced a noose around my neck. Symbolic of lynching slavery, racial terrorism due to other interactions with Chambers. I knew this was no slip of the tongue. And that's a concerning thing. Where That's why he got some other Penn State players coming to his defense because they don't think – Pat Chambers is a bad guy who has done that a lot in the past or has done that consciously in the past a lot. Mm -hmm. He said he reported it immediately, confronted Coach Chambers, spoke directly with the athletic director's office myself. uh, He he wanted to get a little bit more support from Penn State through the situation. It wasn't like they shunned him or didn't do anything, but he talked about losing some of the trust from his teammates and being blackballed a little bit. You are seeing Lamar Stevens, Jamari Wheeler – come out and and back Pat Chambers and his character and it was concerning how Razier did not feel that coach Chambers apologized back then even though Pat in his you know Twitter message on two days ago on July 6th he was very very apologetic for it and said that you know he he apologizes you know for what his words and ignorance caused Razier Bolton and his family said he apologizes for what he said I failed to comprehend he, Chambers said all the right things. It's just, can we accept that it is this late? And when are you going to know when you're a coach and predominantly, like, the guys that you are coaching are young black men? Like, when are you going to learn what crosses the line? I think that's what we all need to come to grips on.
1: Yeah, if they went – if. Rossier went to the administration and whatnot and told his side of things and they would have understood. And then Chambers would have came to him and settled it in the right way or settled it how he did on social. I totally would have understood and it would have been a good way to help growth for Chambers going forward. But I just I have a bad feeling or I don't feel well that it took a public acknowledgement of this happening for Chambers to actually do something Deeper about it. That's what did kind of get. See to the me. reason
0: why too, like why he he chose to come out and speak out on this is because Pat Chambers was one of the guys on a webinar recently talking about race. <laughs> and that I guess it was the boiling over point for Razier Bolton. He said, All right, that's sure. Enough. He felt like I'm he, he felt coming like he, out and I'm saying what I what I need to say. He now. felt
1: like he didn't get the right action when it happened to mm-hmm. him and yeah. he didn't want to see someone that didn't take the right action try to speak on it. I totally understand that. Again, yeah,
0: I fully support Bolton coming out and being outspoken, especially that's it's kind of what we're what we're trying to do is bring all this stuff to the forefront and get everything out on the table of why you d- you didn't think this was offensive, so you you did not grow up you know wearing my glasses like you don't understand what what the world is like from my point of view, so let me tell you, like let me tell you why you you can't use a term or use a phrase like that, and how that makes me feel and Again, you and I as as white dudes sitting mm-hmm. here, we got to be cognizant of that. And we have to appreciate and understand that as well. So, to uh, finish up the pod here, to move off of that that subject, which is a really serious one, what happened over at Penn State. I saw some comments from Gene Smith, the athletics director at Ohio State.
1: Mm-hmm-hmm. Yes.
0: Evil we thought that we were trending in the right direction with our beautiful iconic basketball gymnasium in Columbus Ohio St John Arena and you know years before we had these two regular season games the last couple of years the first one where it was a Friday nighter before the Michigan game before the Michigan football game And it was Cleveland State, and St. John Arena was packed. It was fun. It was great. It was a throwback night. Old music, old uniforms, old graphics up on the Jumbotron, if you can even call it that there. But it was so cool. And now Gene's saying he doesn't foresee ever going back there again. That's what was a little not crystal clear, Mm -hmm. is if he meant ever, but certainly not in the foreseeable future. There's no plan right now to go back to St. John Arena and that's very, very sad yeah, for you and I, me.
1: I, it is really sad. I think he's thinking, and I'm basing this off of the reasons why he was saying this, is that there's less home games because they're playing in these holiday tournaments. Which, okay, I get that. And he's saying that because this year, the following year and the year after that, they're going to be in those type of tournaments, so it takes away home games. Okay, that's good. But I don't like the way it was phrased because it's saying ever, and it's like, okay, further down to three years down the line, can we like revisit this? Like, this is a question I want to ask Chris next week because I know he's been a big proponent of it when the first minute I don't he think got he's here, got the
0: control now. No, that's, that's I know he problem. doesn't have the control. He doesn't have the
1: control. But he's been so big on playing these games here. I want to just hear it from his lens because we've just heard it from Gene's. I want to hear it from his. Of Is this a reason why, like, is this never going to be able to happen again? Like, I, I want more in-depth conversation on this because, like you said, this is really big to both of us because I went to the game this past year and it was amazing. And if you're telling me you can't do that at least once a year, that kind of hurts me.
0: And you know, the game this year could have been better, too, if it were scheduled the right way, because having that home Michigan football game the right. next day created just a certain type of buzz on campus. And it, it, was, it was Akron this past year, but it wasn't nearly the buzz that it had the first time around. And that's why going a little bit deeper and making the game a little bit bigger would make that atmosphere so much better for just a one-off. And I get it. It's about numbers and having all those regular season games. But it's like you said, we don't have to go, like, never say never here. I mean, mean, we do need to go never say never. Let's not just say, oh, we're, we're... no plan at all. Like we're not going back there ever again because the regular season games have to be at a certain number when we're not doing one of those holiday tournaments and we have a bunch of home games, then let's figure out a way once again, you know, it had me thinking about a few of my favorite defunct college basketball gyms, a couple real quick that I wanted to hit on that I've been to and a couple that I haven't. But I, I believe that all of these places are still around. How about Freedom Hall, to start with one that I haven't been to? I mean, the place where Louisville played before the beautiful KFC Yum Center opened up. Interesting. That arena, you know, the Kentucky Colonels played there in the ABA. Louisville men's hoops from 1956 to 2010, and it had to be one of the biggest spots when this place opened up I mean you know about the passion for basketball in Kentucky to have you know 19,000 fans at a college basketball game that's exactly what Kentucky needed so you got the Louisville Cardinals place that's not that far away what about have you ever heard of Carmichael Auditorium everyone from a certain age just thinks UNC and you think of the Dean Dome right Yes. But that's not where Michael Jordan played. Michael Jordan, he was done at UNC by the time they opened up the Dean Smith Center, the giant spot right there on campus. Still there and recently renovated as Carmichael Arena, multi purpose, right in the center of uh, UNC Chapel Hill. And it is a beautiful spot. It wasn't yeah, even, they weren't they, even in it that long I thought
1: 1965. A, I thought they played a pretty big game this year there. I could be wrong, but... They might have
0: played a regular season game there this year. I know for a fact I saw them play an NIT game in 2010, that year where Roy Williams was whining and crying a little bit more (laughs) when his team didn't make the tourney, and they played an NIT game there, and that was great fun. The place was awesome. So, yeah, they were there from 1968 to, I want to say, 1986 when uh, their last game was at North Carolina NC state in 1986 and NC state spot is the other one that I've gotten to go to where they were also doing some regular season games at Reynolds Coliseum, which I find very similar to St. John arena here in Columbus, Ohio CB, where it's just a 13 to 14,000 seat arena right in the heart of campus. Everybody walked to it. Mm -hmm. Just a nice old fashioned barn. The, the over the second row, the second level seats at Reynolds, I think jut out and are pretty close to the floor there. So that place was really cool. And then the other one where you talk about a famous moment that you you'll hear in the open for this podcast, a play-by-play clip where it's you know him, Bill Raftery, send it in Jerome. Yes, Fitzgerald Fieldhouse at the University of Pittsburgh. 4,100 uh, seats, where they were there since uh, from 1951 up until they uh, built what is it the Peterson I think in 2002 Peterson Event Center yeah it's one of the places I've visited but never got to see a game at Old Fitzgerald Fieldhouse so there's uh, some defunct college basketball arenas for you I'm glad for your sake Hinkle Fieldhouse yes. is not defunct
1: yes I'm very glad about that I actually I've been kind of distracted during that segment there because there's just There's been a bomb by our guy, John Rostein that I think is going to have a domino effect on a lot of different leagues and a lot of different sports going forward. And we can probably cover this in the next pod we do next week before we get with Chris Holtman. But uh, he's reporting that Ivy League programs have been informed that fall sports have been canceled, not postponed, but canceled. And conference will not entertain any sports being played until after the first of the new year. And winter sports will have an update in mid July for their respective practice schedules.
0: So so hoops is it, winter, right? It's, I mean, hoops is technically winter. It kind of spills into the fall semester because it starts there in mm-hmm. early November. That's, yeah. But what I mean, does that mean for they, won't, their they basketball won't even play programs? a
1: game until the first, the start of the new year. So maybe a, just a conference slate is more appropriate for them. But they already created the domino effect when it happened back with the conference tournaments. Could (laughs) it possibly be again? We all called them stupid, too, (sighs) back then. Like, no, what are you doing? Sure enough, everybody went with them. But this could be the start of some bad news down the line, unfortunately. But I'm hoping for the better side of things.
0: Oh, my God. We're about out of time. I mean, we could sit here and talk for another hour. Right. right? We got to keep it to a normal limit, though. So, yes. Yes. That is going to be some future discussion here as we weave throughout the offseason. Evil Bald Kyle, and it was a fun one, man. You be safe, all right? You too. Can't wait to talk next week. Yeah. Everybody, be safe. Uh, Love each other. Love college basketball. Love any type of basketball. And remember, give us a nice rating and a nice review. As we always say, even if you hated it, it's not going to do you any good or bring you any good karma. If you give it a bad rating or review. So just lie and say that it was good and tell your friends because you'll get some good vibes coming back your way. So anywhere you listen, uh, anywhere on almost all the major podcast platforms. Tell your buddies that love hoops, search it up, Mad About Hoops. We're trying to uh, continue to get this thing going in a college football-centric town. Uh, Next one, look out for a a good in-depth conversation with a very hot rising head coach that we love here at Ohio State, Chris Holtman, a.k.a. The Holtman. Everybody be good, and we'll see you next time on Mad About Hoops.